Hello, everyone. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. So welcome. Thank you for tuning in today. I always appreciate it. So today I'm doing the intro on my own. If you're a regular listener, you'll probably know that my kids usually join in, but today they're stepping out of this one. So I'm just kind of finding my way here without them in this intro. But I always feel that one of the first things to do, even to start the day, to start the show, is to express my thanks and gratitude. And I want to do that to everyone that tunes in, to everyone that supports the show, that listens, that supports through Patreon, that leaves a review, that sends questions, comments, feedback, whether that's through the website, email, or social media. Thank you very, very much. And when you say that I have helped you on your learning journey and somehow been a support along the way, that comes right back to me. And I want to say, likewise, this show is also food for my soul as well, too, with all of the fantastic people that I've been able to connect with, the community I've been able to grow, and the people I've been able to learn from on the show. I am truly grateful and thankful. And so one of the ways that some support the show is through Patreon. And if you're not a patron, but you're interested in supporting the show through that way, helping with things like editing costs and the time it takes to create and to write and to produce this show, you can go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids to find out more. I also have the link in the show notes. So that's another way to, to uh, give the gift of appreciation and uh, give the financial gift to help support the show as well. So I want to give a shout out to a patron. The patron is Erica Kesselman. Erica, thank you so much for being a great resource and also supportive um, for supportive person for the show, for myself, and also an advocate of self-directed learning. And Erica and I actually first connected through Instagram. Her Instagram page is Conscious Homeschooling, and her website is on the same name as well, ConsciousHomeschooling.com. So definitely check her out, and she is a great support and advocate in gentle parenting and self-directed learning. So Erica, thank you for your support. So today's episode, I have Jen Sutherland joining me on the show, and I'm really excited to have Jen on the show because our paths have been going in the same direction, and, and finally they crossed, and it really was meant to be, if you could say that. We have so many similarities and shared interests and values in the world of life, learning, and education. So Jen actually decided to travel full-time with her family. They started out on just a one-year journey that turned into a lifetime of traveling and world schooling. And they've spent the last 20 years or so world schooling their four kids who they raised from, who they world schooled from school age to all the way to university. And we talk about that journey right now and really how it shaped each of them individually as well as a family. And we had a great conversation about learning, how it happens, where it happens, can it really happen everywhere, unlearning, de-schooling, relearning. And I know something that Jen is very passionate about, creating a more conscious and intentional education for the whole family learning. And the project that she's working on to do this called Beyond School. And there's a link in the show notes, but you can also go to beyondschool.co to find out more. So enjoy the episode. So today I have Jen Sutherland joining me on the show. Jen, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, it's such a joy to be here. I'm really excited. 
So Jen Sutherland, in addition to homeschooling her own four children from birth to university entrance while traveling the world full-time for over a decade, Jen has a degree in education and over 20 years experience in helping families build world-class educations for their children outside of the four walls of a classroom. She's now the CEO of Beyond School, and she's focused on building a school of the future for families of the future and creating a third path in education, acknowledging that learning is happening everywhere. That sounds very good. <laughs> fun. All of those things to me are fun. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I, that's what I get already from you is the joy of it all, the joy in your voice. Yeah, that's important to me, cultivating that. You know, there, there are seasons of life, and it has not always been joyful at every moment of my life. But the older I get, the more I learn to cultivate that for myself and for everyone around me. Hmm. So, okay, so, so let me ask you then. So do you find that your life has always been joyful? No, definitely not. I don't think <laughs> life is always anything, is it? Um, but I think, you know, I grew up in a family that valued hard work and cheerfulness and creating joy together, even in the midst of hard things. And that was one of the best tools that my parents gave me was this ability to cultivate joy for myself and not rely on circumstances to provide that. And in hard times, when things have not been joyful, those are the tools that have allowed me to create the life that I want. Hmm. Cultivating joy for yourself. Okay. Actually, I think that's a very important tool, especially now when you know, I think many, many feel there's a bit of an absence or a loss with what we're used to in the world. And sometimes we look externally to find our joy, but being able to cultivate the joy yourself, I think really helps in these present times. I agree. And it's one of those things that I hope very much to transfer to my kids and eventually my grandchildren as well, because that multi-generational legacy has been such a game changer for me. And it's allowed me to do so many things that, that other people maybe are not able to do or enjoy in the same way. And I'm really grateful for that. And I want to continue to pass it on. Mm, yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing to pass on. So let's talk a little bit about your family then. Um, because you have your mom to four kids who are now all grown, they're now all adults. But your family journey is quite unique. Uh, can you tell a little bit about that? You world schooled. Um, and I, as what I've read from before as well, you were a traveler even before you were married and had kids. I was so, before I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did, how did this life of adventure start for you? Oh, it, you know, I, we'd like to joke that we are second, maybe third generation crazy. <laughs> My parents were huge adventurers. You know, they backpacked the length of Central and South America, took a freighter to Africa, walked across the top of Africa, flew back from Italy, back when it was hard to do those things. And, you know, when I was born, um, I, I just said I was gestated in Guatemala. They came to Canada to have me, even though they themselves were American. And, you know, so I don't remember a time in my life that involved fewer than three countries or three languages. It's just part of my family culture. And then they pulled me out of school for third grade and eighth grade, and we traveled some more. And so I knew from the beginning that I wanted this adventure, this world schooling to be a big part of my kids' education. But we did not set out to travel for 10 years. <laughs> Okay. I actually thought you did. So, so tell me more. Okay. No. So we decided, um, when our youngest was two, we decided we were going to take off and do a one year gap year 
but we were going to wait and it was going to, we were going to do it when he was five. And that was because I am selfish and I do not like to change diapers in tents. So I <laughs> everyone to train before we took off. And that, so in 2008, we took off with four kids who were five through 11. And our plan was to travel for one year through Europe to ride our bicycles from London, England to Africa and back. And we did that. Um, but 2008 was also the year that the market crashed. And so, mm. you know, while we were traveling, having quit our jobs, sold our house, gotten rid of our cars, all the things, saved our money for this year's travel, we woke up one morning and we were camped on the highest cliff of the Adriatic coast of Italy. And my husband said, shoot, I think our money is gone. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> and and he goes, yeah, and, and all of our stocks, like everyone else's, of course, were underwater. Oh, no. In the scheme of things, we lost so little compared to people who, you know, had really true financial tra tragedies. But it felt like a big deal to us at the time to be homeless with four kids in Italy on bicycles with nothing. Um, yeah. And we had to figure out what we were going to do. And, you know, that that tragedy for some people, I don't know, was a catalyst for us because it caused us sort of like the pandemic is doing now again, to step back and really think about what is it that we want out of our lives? What do we want to do for work? How do we want to live as a family? And otherwise, we might have gone back after our year and gotten jobs and, you know, gone back to our plan that we had. But what we discovered in that period of self-discovery, while we were you know, living in North Africa as inexpensively as we could, working hard to call in every work chip that we had, rebuilding our careers in some way, figuring out how to work remotely, which was barely a thing in 2008-9, um, was that we really were loving the time as a family. My husband, who was not a traveler at all, said to me when we were in Paris, he's like, you know, the thing is that I'm not done yet. He'd caught hmm. the bug in that year. He'd agreed to give me a year after like a decade of negotiation. That was what it took to get my gap year with the kids. <laughs> and by the end of it, he wasn't done. And so we just decided that, okay, well, maybe we'll just, you know, next winter, we'll just go spend it in Guatemala. And then after that, it was like, well, maybe we'll just spend a little time on Cape Cod. Well, maybe we'll just go to Southeast Asia for a year. Well, maybe we'll go to New Zealand and Australia for another year. And before you knew it, you know, a decade had passed, our kids had grown up, they had you know, learned literally with the world as their classroom. And in the meantime, we had formed these really lovely relationships with them and with each other and with the world that we couldn't have formed any other way. And now that they're all gone, you know, they're now 18 through 24. Clearly the best decision we ever made was to pull them out of traditional life, not just school. They hadn't been in school anyway. That was a, a philosophical choice to homeschool early but it has made them such different adults than they, than they would have been in any other scenario. And we're so grateful now that that time has evaporated because it goes so fast. Yes, it does. Memories with our kids. So yeah, so that's kind of the short version of us, I guess. And, and that is weird. You're right. And to a lot of people, that's a very unusual way to live life as a family. To us, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's um to me it's not weird because we had already talked about we have so many uncanny similarities with our our lives both as I think kids and as parents as well um, so it's normal to me I, I, hearing it I'm refreshed I'm like yes yeah. and it's a reminder for me again too when you you know what do we want to do with our lives it's and it becomes about the connection I think because you're so in the present and the experience it's not about the things and 
you know, trying to encompass all this other stuff. It's very much in the now and being with with your family and in that relationship. I so, agree. Yeah, and when kids I get were it. Little and people would say, oh, don't blink because it goes so fast. I used to think, come and clean my toilet so I can enjoy it. <laughs> You know, you're just you're up to your ears in them on Tuesday afternoon last three weeks. And you think, what in the world? And then all of a sudden I find myself, I'm now that mom where I have to bite my tongue because I want to say to my neighbor, like, oh, enjoy every second. It's going to go so mm-hmm. fast. She's losing her mind. So, yeah. Yeah, yes. you know, the people who say that, they know of what they speak. And I'm shocked that I have four adult humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So following this, you know, there's a few questions that come up. I So- mm-hmm. If I'm a person who's listening to this and, you know, maybe I, I know families who've traveled or know world schooling or are interested in it, but I then I think, wow, so you guys plan to travel for the year. That's fantastic. You mm-hmm. woke up one morning and you saw it was 2008, there was a crash and you had lost a whole lot. <laughs> yep. But then you decided to keep on going and you kept on going for 10 years. I know. That's How- yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. You probably know what I'm going to ask. How did you do it? How did you afford to do it? How did you even like, how really, how did you do it? You know, my smart aleck response to that is always, well, the same way you go to Walmart, only you just keep going, right? Like you <laughs> keep going every day you decide to go. Uh, how we afforded it, you know, that that's a really important question for a lot of people. Because when you've got four kids, there's a lot of responsibility there, not just to keep them alive on the given day, but you know, their healthcare, their college costs that are coming, all of that stuff. Like you, you have to be a grown up about the finances. Um, and the short answer to that is that we, we recreated our careers uh, doing things that we could work from anywhere. And so for my husband, that meant um, taking consulting jobs with, with big corporations that he had used to work for when he was working with Apple. And he does, he now does database development and design for big companies like Johnson and Johnson and ocean spray, at the beginning of the iOS movement, he was doing a little bit of app development, things that could be done from anywhere. And I started doing a lot of freelance writing, which led to editing, which led to marketing. And through all of that, I was helping families figure out how they too could be weird like us. <laughs> mm. And so but, that yeah. part, the helping people with the education piece, because my degree was in education. Um, not that that helped me with homeschooling. That's another topic. And I'm, I'm sure that, that you will <laughs> The fact that having credentials does not make you a better homeschooler. In fact, in many ways, it's a liability. However, let's talk about that after. Okay. okay. Um, But that led me to helping other families to, you know, to build curriculum, to figure out what was wrong with their kid, how to fix a particular thing that they weren't being served well in the school environment that they were in. And little by little, I, I just made a bit of a space for myself in the world schooling community doing that. I started doing more writing and speaking on that topic. And uh, that's what has led me in quite a circuitous route to co-founding Beyond School. Mm, Okay. Okay. So I do want to talk about Beyond School today, but before we get into Beyond School, there's a few questions that I would like you to expand on, um, on your journey, on your world schooling journey and really your life learning journey as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So your kids, they were five and 11 when you first started, Uh, four kids, how did they respond Two, number one, we're going to go and travel for a year, and two, we're not we're going to keep on going. I know how your husband was halfway Paris. I'm thinking Paris was you were probably. Well, where did you start? Which country did you start? We in? started in in London, England. Paris was where mm-hmm. we ended that first year before we flew back home. So that was sort of okay. eleven months in. Eleven. Okay. 
and you know, he was really nervous when we left really, really like he wanted to do it. He's always wanted to do things like this, but he does not come from a family culture that equips him for it or that had ever given him even one example of somebody doing something as weird as taking off traveling with their kids, let alone home, putting them while they go. Um, our kids were excited. You know, kids are, you get the kids that you're supposed to get. And right. yeah, amen to that. Yes, so you we do. Had two full years of planning. You know, we had a really normal life in New Hampshire with a house and two cars and, you know, a forest and all the things that you would like to have with a young family. Uh, and we had to to pack all of that up and we were not in a rush to do it. So we spent two years getting ready to go training, learning to ride our bicycles longer periods of time, learning to live in tents happily. You know, all of those things our kids found to be a huge game as they were little kids. And when we took off, it was a huge adventure for them and they loved it. Um you know, the number three guy, he was a little homesick the first month. There was a little bit of crying as we were going. By the time we had cycled from London to Nottingham, he was on board and he was good. And he never complained after that in 10 years that I can remember. Um, and when we came to the end of that first year, you know, again, we weren't, we didn't go to the kids and say, okay, we're never going home uh, and we're going to travel for a decade. How do you feel about that? It, you know, it was more like, well, we're going to we're going to be on Cape Cod for the summer and we'll be able to see some of our friends and we're going to go visit Grammy and Gramps in Canada. And then we're going to spend the next winter in Guatemala. How do you feel about that? Well, they didn't know how they felt about that because they didn't have any idea where Guatemala was. They'd been to Mexico, they'd been to Hawaii, they'd spent some time in Europe, but Guatemala was new. Um, but they were game, you know, they'll try anything for a while. And when you're a kid, life just is what it is. And we made a real effort to make sure that it was fun to connect with other kids everywhere we went to make sure that, you know, life was largely an adventure to them. And so, you know, while not everyone was happy all the time and not everybody loved every place that we went, they were really great about making space for each other. And, you know, so one example would be for their birthdays, instead of buying them things, we, we let them pick a place to go. And when Eli was 11, he wanted to go turning 12. He wanted to go to Hanoi and visit, Ho Chi Minh's tomb because we'd been learning about this and he was into it. Nobody else cared, but we all went we all had a good time. It was really fun. And, you know, Hannah wanted to go to Angkor Wat for her 16th birthday and Gabe wanted to go do a, you know, sailing thing when he was 17. So we let him go do it by himself because, because it wasn't something everyone could do together. So we got really good at prioritizing each other's needs, wants, and dreams, and then creating space for people to do things together and also on their own as they became independent and able to do those things. Can you repeat that? Because it really rings true. You got really good at prioritizing everyone's needs, wants, and dreams. Yeah, because, you know, we our, our needs are well-defined. Like, we need food. We need shelter. We need a little bit of peace and quiet when our siblings are driving us crazy. Like, there are things you need every day. And helping our kids to understand and be able to assess for themselves what their needs were and set boundaries that made sure that their needs got met when all of us are living in a tent right on top of each other or you know, <laughs> in, a, in a tiny walk-up apartment in Marseille for for a month and a half. Or, you know, there were, there were just lots of moving parts that, that getting your needs met uh, was a, a daily practice and challenge. But then beyond your needs, what are your wants? And what are the difference between those two things? Mm. Travel, it's such a wonderful way to teach that because you're you're passing through countries where people's needs are not always being met and people's wants very widely from country to country. Want that yeah. to and then what are your dreams? You know, what do you most want out of life? And, you know, we've talked a lot in our family about 
Who do you want to be in five years? Who do you want to be in one year? And then, then backing that up, like, okay, how are we going to make that happen for you over the next, you know, few weeks, few months, but, and just teaching our kids by example, how to set a really big, ridiculous looking dream and then back it up to where you are now so that you can see the practical stepping stones between here and there. And that was one of the most valuable things to teach them in homeschooling, like algebra, reading, all the things. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Okay, fine. But our kids know how to set a really big goal, a really big dream and make it happen for themselves. And that is a fantastic skill. Yes, that you nailed it. That is exactly it. Because even as adults, for, for if you're not practicing that, it's so hard to do. And it gets even harder as you get older. And I mean, even the first step of really having a big dream and then backing up and thinking, okay, so how am I going to get there? Number one, can I even get there? Or some actually don't even want to dream. They don't even want to because it's so scary, right? It, there's so much fear. And if I don't get it, what if all the what ifs? But yeah. starting with that and then being modeling that really, that that's the best, you know, quote unquote teaching, being, being that model of it in your life that they could ever, ever have. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't want my kids to be afraid of failure or disappointment or experimenting or screwing yeah. it up, you know, and, and how much more failure and disappointing can you get than literally being homeless in a tent with your four children and having no money? <laughs> like talk about starting <laughs> over, right? But that Absolutely, morning, yeah. not, not crying in our teacups that morning. It was like, okay, well, you know, today we've got 30 miles to ride. So everybody pack your stuff. Let's do the next thing, you know? And talking with them about what had happened and how we might need to change some of our budget and we might need to this, that, or the other thing, but no, of course we're going to go forward because this is our dream and this is the thing that we're going to do. And, you know, we learned those things together. And to me, homeschooling is not about teaching your children from a top-down management perspective. It's about celebrating the fact that learning is happening everywhere. Learning is happening always. And we're in it together. Everybody at a different stage. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about that, that then as well when we're talking about learning and how it happens everywhere all the time. Yeah. And why when you said, you know, being a teacher, having an education degree didn't necessarily help you in homeschooling. Why not? Because that is something I hear. And I'm sure you have heard many times from families that how am I going to do this? Because I'm not a teacher. I don't have skills. Yeah. I, you know, are my, my kids are going to lose and fail and it's going to be all because of me. Yeah. Or people will say to me, oh, well, of course you can homeschool because you're a teacher. Right. <laughs> yes. That's, yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's so apples and oranges, actually. And the reason I think it was maybe my biggest liability was that, you know, you've I've been fully brainwashed into one way of looking at education because I went through I was in public school. I was in private school. I was homeschooled. I sort of tried all the things as a kid. And then I went to college. I got a four-year degree in education. So I, like, I had a thorough brainwashing in one way of doing it, but I was completely oblivious to many other ways of doing it. But I also knew that the two years of my own childhood where I was out of school and traveling with my parents were the best years of my education in every way. So, you know, holding those two things next to each other... I wasn't as afraid as some people were to dive into homeschooling because I knew it had been great for me. Therefore, I was sure it could be great for my kids. Mm. But what I discovered really quickly was everything I thought I knew about education from a classroom perspective had almost no bearing on getting the job done at home. 
you know, education is, I love what Charlotte Mason says. She says, education is a relationship that is formed between the living child and the living idea. And that our role as teachers, facilitators, parents is to make an introduction between this child and between the idea and see what happens. They form their own relationship. We can't form it for them. And then you step back and you watch and you see what happens. And maybe they get the thing you want them to get and maybe they don't. And if they don't, that's okay because you can introduce them again later in a very low stress environment. Um, and, you know, one example of that would be when we studied the Middle Ages for the first time. My son, I was all excited because we were going to learn about castles and cathedrals and tripartite symmetry. And they were going to become geniuses about Middle East, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Middle Ages and, um, architecture. It was going to be great. And the relationship that my son formed with architecture from the Middle Ages was that it was so cool that they had built the toilets into the side of the castle wall so that the poop would roll down the side on the outside. Right. And I was like... Well, there's a 10-year-old boy for you. Do you know what you need to do? Flog them to death until they get what you want them to get and pass the test? Or do you go, yeah, right. Well, you know, that is pretty cool. Um, it is pretty cool. Maybe we'll save the tripartite symmetry for when we're standing in front of the church in, in Aachen, Germany, and we'll, we'll have another go, you know? But I had to let go of the idea that I could control what they were learning. And I had to let go of the idea that I had to measure everything that they were learning. And that it was my business to dictate that stuff. You know, what I've gravitated to over the long haul is it, I, I call it a, a child-centered but parent-directed learning style. Because I've done four kids in a row, taught them basically the same things. They've grown up in the same family with the same parents, the same, same, same everything. But they're all totally different. And the way I teach them has to be different, which is not what you get you know, when you, when you get your formulaic indoctrination into how to do education as a school teacher. So that's why <laughs> I say it was actually kind of a liability. I had to unlearn a lot of things and then relearn because knowing what you don't want to do and knowing what you do want to do are two very different things. And I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't yet know how to do it the way I wanted to. And that's what took, you know, a long time. It was several years of reading and studying and un unschooling. That's not right. That's not the right word because that's a, that's a defined thing, but, you know, just unwinding my brain around school being a construct and separating school as a construct from learning as a living, breathing experience. Right. You were constantly de-schooling. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the continuous de-schooling, the lifelong process of de-schooling. It's not just, oh, you'll be done it in three years and then you're good to go. I, I find it's lifelong, even as our kids are, I mean, my kids are not yet adults, your kids are, but even as my kids are, have gotten older over these years, it's, it's not done. It's still no. continuous. No, because you're learning too. And that's, that's what's great is that you're learning together. Yes. Yeah. That that's the that's the biggest part of it is again going back to what you're talking about the modeling as well. Yeah. Modeling that you're still learning even as an adult a parent that it's again continuous. It's happening like it's everywhere every time. Yep. It is. From your world schooling perspective, I mean there it's so rich, right? The experience and you know what what you were building together as well and what you were seeing and being part of you know, what were there difficult times? What were some of the hard obstacles that you had to face? Um, in what sense? Educationally, as a family, logistically? Uh, let's start 
let's start actually as a family first. Were, were there things that came up that you weren't expecting to come up that you're like, damn, you know, this, this is something we're really going to have to get through in order to keep on going. Or I mean, maybe, the or, or maybe <laughs> sorry. Besides the market crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Besides the market. Yeah. That was a huge one. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was a defining moment for sure. Probably in some ways, right. On, on your journey, but. Um, yeah, I, of course, you know, as the kids grow, I don't care if you're traveling or if you live in the same little house behind the same picket fence forever, kids grow through different stages and siblings in a family don't necessarily grow through those stages together or in concert even. So all of the things that are hard about raising a family normally are also hard when you're living, you know, with intention, a dream that you have together. It's, you know, you're still dealing with all of that stuff. It's all still difficult. Um, Stuff like you know, when my daughter started university classes online when she was 15 or 16, and we had to get books shipped to Borneo, <laughs> like South Central. those sorts of things were logistically challenging. You know, we missed, we missed family time. You know, we didn't get to see my husband's parents for a couple of years because they didn't have passports and they, they didn't want to travel to the side of the world that we were on. My parents would come sometimes and spend three or four months with us in Tunisia or in Guatemala or elsewhere. Um, but we really missed that close relationship we had with grandparents before. Um, there were times when socially my kids really missed having their friends nearby. Now, when we would be in one place for a while and they would have friends nearby, then they would find themselves missing travel or missing adventure or missing something else. You know? So there were, I guess the thing we gravitated to was no matter where you are, you're missing something and someone. Um, but you know, all of those things were, were challenging a partnership, parenting two children together, co-parenting, being married, all of those things come with their own challenges that go with you when you travel. Um, and then just, you know, the my explanation of how we reinvented our careers to continue traveling sounds quite tidy in three sentences, but that was actually three years of, of just sort of nail biting. Gosh, are we going to be able to pull this rabbit out of a hat? Will we be able to figure this out financially to where we're making you know, career style money again or not? And of course the answer ultimately was yes, but when you're going through it, you don't know that it's, mm. you know, you're, you may end up living back on grandma's couch and flipping burgers. It could happen. It didn't happen, but you know, there, there were lots of things that were hard. Absolutely. Mm. So were there also any beliefs that were, that you had to reevaluate that were tested that maybe you had before that then you thought, you know what, I'd always kind of hung on to this mm-hmm. and now because of this or because of what we have seen or experienced, I think I now need to shift a bit in my thinking. Oh, so many that I couldn't possibly enumerate them all. Um, I think the one that comes to mind only because my husband and I were just talking about this the other day was uh, he was quite, um, conservative. You know, he'd been raised in a, in a Christian family. He was essentially a Republican family. And for the first 10 years of our marriage, we didn't talk about politics because, you know, I was a sort of favorite communist as a Canadian and uh, living in the United States. And, you know, we just had to agree to disagree on a lot of things and he couldn't ever see it from my perspective. And he has since said that, you know, he, he finds now who knows now as an adult after this experience that he learns by Braille and he had to go get eyeball to eyeball with people who lived and thought differently in order to have his, his perspectives opened up. And, you know, he went through just a huge reformation in his own, in his own faith and in his own political journey. And he's a totally different person on the inside of his head now than he was 10 years ago. And I am as well. Um, 
you know, not quite as drastically politically necessarily, but in so many ways, you're formed by the experiences that you have and the people that you meet and the realities that you create together. Um, yeah, a lot of that shifted for us and continues to. And I, and I, and I have no doubt that 10 years on, we will once again be totally different people than we are now because the only constant is evolution. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Evolution and change, it is the only constant, which is actually kind of funny because we as human beings are in, in, in our culture and society anyways, we seem to run <laughs> very, we seem to be very, very scared of that. Mm. Yeah, I'm actually scared of exactly the opposite. I'm, it really frightens me to think about stagnating and reaching a point at which I stop learning and stop growing. Um, and where, you know, in the past, maybe I was quite convinced of of rightness in a particular thought process. The thing that I know now is that there are very few things that are absolutes and I fully expect myself to continue learning and growing and changing. And I, I welcome that. Yeah, that's a great point because that is the only way that we're going to grow and, and evolve and be very, not only welcome change, but embrace it so that it does, it helps to keep forming us and, and building us up. Yeah. And, you know, we expect that of our kids. When a baby is born, you would never say, okay, that's it. We're done. You know, right. that's, they can't walk. They can't feed themselves. They can't wipe their own bums. Like there's so many things they have to learn to become, quote, functional adults, whatever that means. But then we act as if adulthood is this destination and this stagnant place. And I suppose for some people it is, but it doesn't have to be. And I don't think that it's meant to be. Right. Right. Yeah, because we do. We say to our kids so many times, oh, when you become an adult, then, you know, it will change or be like this. Or, you know, it's almost kind of like childhood is about waiting to become an adult, preparing to become an adult, because once you reach the your adulthood, it all stops <laughs> the way we talk about it, right? That it's going to change and then it will just be fine from then on. I have a huge soapbox about that. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk. You have the soapbox. I'm pushing it over to you. <laughs> I just think that one of the worst things we ask our kids, particularly when they're the ages that your kids are, is what do you want to be when you grow up? Because mm. it presupposes two things. It presupposes that adulthood is a destination and it presupposes that it's a static one thing. Right. And it is neither of those things. You know, when I become an adult, you know, when I'm 10, I'm looking forward to what it'll be like when I'm 15. When I'm 15, I want so bad to be 20. When I'm 20, I'm looking forward to 25. When I'm 60, I'm thinking about what it's going to be like to be 65. And, you know, I think it's a much better question to ask young people and ourselves, who do you want to be in five years? Because mm -hmm. that we can almost imagine. But, you know, a 10-year-old can't imagine what it'll be like to be 30. And a 30-year-old yeah. can't imagine what it'll be like to be 80. But you can kind of get your head around the next five years. And, you know, that's a manageable chunk. And also, in asking those questions repeatedly, it insists that we continue to work towards learning and growth, which to me is the whole purpose of homeschooling. And the best thing about world schooling is that the learning is happening everywhere and it's happening always. And we're doing it together. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think another part of it as well is, you know, talking about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and that there's an end and, you know, it's a finality almost kind of thing. But as well, we're ignoring the fact that especially when kids are 
they have a lot of time to explore and do that when they're homeschooling, they're home educating. Many times they start doing that at a young, like they're doing quote unquote what they want to do when they grow up already. It's kind of like you can't do it until you become an adult, but really many are actually already doing it before they're adults. And for me, that was one of the changes recently I had to, I felt I had to personally shift on as well, because I think of my son who's 14 and he's always had a very clear focus of what he loves and wants to do. And he's always been able to dive a lot into it. And he had talked for a while about going to a certain university to study this certain subject and topic and just kind of specialize in it. But then, you know, we kind of started helping him along. Okay, this is what you're going to need to get there. And, you know, because we unschool. So, um, you know, it's not as cut and dry as if, for example, you're going to school and you're getting your high school diploma from where we live kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but he had this certain certain path and we had talked about, you know, pros and cons and what he would need and what he wouldn't need and things like that. But then he came to us one day and he was like, you know what, I'm not going to go. Wow. And for me, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? You're not going <laughs> to, we do, you know, we really, like, he, he had had this idea, you know, and he had seemed to be working to it for, towards it for a long time. I think I had a certain idea in my own head, right. That I had a certain idea that I had created and, <laughs> you know, because we do that, right. We think, yeah. oh, well, you know, we create our own story and think that we want for a kid. It's really, and I'm thinking it, it was for me, not for him. Yeah. And then, and then he just basically, he was like, I'm already doing what I want to do. And I actually feel that at that time, if I go, I can always go another time. But if I go when I'm 18 or, or however, it actually is not going to be in my favor for that time. And he's like, what I want to do, I can start doing right now. And he reached out to for a certain apprenticeship. And, you know, he's really into wildlife and outdoors and guiding. And so this year, he started doing all of those things that, you know, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be mentoring with the guide. He's doing his, like, you know, he, he's really into skiing. He's, you know, so he's doing his like avalanche certification training and all those sort of things that are so, the life skills are phenomenal, so beneficial, but it's what he wants to do. And at this time he realized, he's like, I don't need to have this degree in order to do it. And actually I won't get that time outside because I'll be stuck in a classroom. (laughs) And a lot of the things I'm reading and learning about already. (laughs) Yeah, man, that's so, I love that. And I'm so excited for him and for you in that. Can we talk about teenagers for a minute? Yes, please. Yes. (laughs) They're my absolute favorite stage of childhood. And I liked every stage. And every time I would be like, oh, I love this. Oh, I love this stage. No, teenagers are the best because they're so creative. They're so interesting. They're so inspired, if you will, free them from the things that shackle yes. them and cause them to be rebellious and obnoxious. That's a whole nother soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> how we create that. It's not natural. It's not normal. It doesn't have to be that way. And they are capable right now. Um, yeah. My daughter started a business when she was 16. She came to me and she goes, mom, I think I need to start a business. I said, oh, okay. What are you going <laughs> to, well, I need to do something because I'm going to be moving out in two years and I need to be able to support myself. And I was like, yes, yes, you do. Great choice. <laughs> That's right. She totally makes sense. That's right. I don't want to be supporting you forever. And so when she, you know, she did go to university because she was really interested and she wanted to study a particular thing, but she supported herself the whole way through school with her, with her business that she'd started when she was 16. And when she graduated, 
the first thing she did was turn down a job in her field so that she could focus on growing her business because it had been annoying mm-hmm. her that while she was in college, she didn't have enough time to grow her business properly. Right. Um, another one of my sons started his university work crossing the Med in the Atlantic under sail. And he now at 22 is uh, an antique boat builder and restorer. And he's he can captain anything up to 200 tons. Um, he's wanted to do that since he was three. Another one of my kids, when he was 15, he came to me. We, we'd been in Guatemala for the winter and he'd work all winter with a nutrition project within this little Mayan village that we lived in. And, you know, he was aware that his friends were malnourished. They were starving. The most of them were parasite ridden. And when we left, he really cried. And he said, mom, you know, can I go back next winter by myself for a month and, and work? And most people with their 15 year old says, can I fly three countries away for a month by myself unsupervised and work? Like what, you know, what's your instinct with teenagers? No. Um, our instinct is quite the opposite. And we said to him, yes, absolutely. You can do that. However, <laughs> you need to find out how to pay for it. You need to plan it. We need to see your health and safety plan. We need to know, you know, where you're going to stay, how you're going to take care of yourself, what you're going to do with your time. And you need to work ahead by a month in your school plan. Cause I know you won't do anything while you're there. And if you do all of that stuff by October and bring it to your dad and I, then in January you can go. And then I didn't help him anymore because if he needs help, then he's not capable of really taking care of himself while he's gone, right? So I just left it with him and I thought, well, there's no way. Well, he brought it all to us in October and he was ready to go. And so he did. He flew to Guatemala by himself, chicken busted up four hours into the mountains to where we got him to live, spent a month living and working, cut a deal with one of the youth hostels to let him stay for half price if he would teach their their kitchen ladies how to make a special kind of cookie that he makes and, and you know, do some toilet cleaning for them. Uh, and came back at the end of that month at 15 and people lost their minds that we let our 15 <laughs> do that. But my perspective was, look, if he can plan it all like an adult, why can't he go do it like he's an adult? Ready. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Know, this is the path that he's yeah, at the everyday learning. Yes. When my youngest one, you know, he flies planes. He's going to start commercial flight school in the fall, but he already flies. And he came to me repeatedly when he was like 14. Mom, I want to fly. Mom, I want to take pilot lessons. Mom, I want to go. Finally, I was like, I hear you. Why haven't you done it yet? And he looked at me like, well, aren't you supposed to call and like be the mom? And I said, no, you know, if you want to fly the plane, find where the lessons are, you know, figure out what it's going to cost. You organize it. We'll get behind it. But I'm not getting in a plane with a pilot who can't, who needs his mama to call the school to figure it out. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And so he looked at me with this look like, oh yeah, right. Okay. And then he figured it out and he now flies planes. So like teenagers are the best and they're so interesting and inspired and capable if you will start saying yes to their dreams. Yes, that's right. So I love that your son is doing that. That's amazing. I'm sure you've read the book, The Teenage Liberation Handbook. By Grace Llewellyn. You know what? I I actually haven't read it yet, which is shocking. I've read like excerpts and I've read, you know, and different, you know, different friends that have read it or like Blake Bowles. I've had him on the show a couple of times. He's He's a friend of mine. Oh, I love Blake. Yeah. And he, he was the one who was like, oh, you have to read Grace Llewellyn. And, yeah. and so it's one of those things for some reason. I don't know why I don't have it. But after this time, I'm going to go and order it right now because it's, yeah, I it's come up. When my kids were like five and I remember reading it going, yes, this is what we're going for. You know, I, we're in the weeds now with little kid nonsense, but these are the kind of teenagers that I want. 
Amazing. Great book. Highly recommend to everyone. Yes. Okay. I'll put, actually, I'll add that to the show notes as well too. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody, if you're listening and you you just go to the show notes and click and you'll be able to find Grace's book. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. And especially, and she's also the one who, she's the founder of the Not Back to School camp too, isn't she? I don't know about that actually, but it sounds like her. Yeah, I think I think so. I'll have to uh, reference that, but I think she was one of the ones who began the not back to school camp for you know for homeschoolers and unschoolers and and kids that wanted to had similar interests in that way and ideas and wanted to connect. So, but I'll, I'll reference that. I'll find that out as well. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's 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 liberating for it's uplifting and supporting, and it's not the usual anymore. Uh, to do that and allow that and support that for our teens, I think, because I think the idea really is so much of them not being capable and that they can't, especially, you know, the story of millennials that they can't do anything or that, you know, they're a drain or whatever, you know, whatever else, or, you know, the idea that teens are just, you know, that they have to be handheld all the time and always reminded and, and they can't, they can't accomplish anything or, you know, it, it's it really goes against that story. Yeah, so but it's ways. totally our fault. I it mean, is. yeah, it is. Culture and parenting problem is what that is. We as a culture have decided that these kids are not capable, and so we throttle them. I mean, I, I, I just I so firmly push back against that idea. It's what we've done to teenagers is not normal, and it's not natural, and it's not good for them or for anybody else. And you don't have to look very much further than the mental health statistics for high school and college students to understand that. Yeah, because it is. The mental health stats right now are unbelievable right now. They so. are, and COVID is making them worse, of course. That's, you know, pandemic notwithstanding. That's a whole nother thing, right? But I think, you know, what we legislate against teenagers, literally, we make living your life the way you want to as a teenager illegal, which isn't great at the time when they're most inspired, most creative and most capable of learning quickly. And, you know, if you look historically, you look back and, you know, in the the 1700s, the 1800s, you'll read stories about men being sent as diplomats to Russia or as attaches to a diplomat when they were 13, 14, 15 years old. You read about guys who were, you know, pioneering the West. They were teenagers. And they were. They were teenagers. And now you know, people won't let their 14 year old go to the corner store to buy a Coke unsupervised. It's like, wow, how far we have fallen in such a short time, evolutionarily speaking. And, you know, I just, I was raised by people who expected me to be a full human. You know, my dad always said, you treat a kid as much like an adult as they can stand. And I love that Mm -hmm. because we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And we have to, you know, look at what we hope to have at 18 or 20 years old and then back it up to our four, five, six-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds. And the thing that has cracked me up and also makes me really sad is that people regularly now will come to me and say, wow, your kids are amazing. I can't believe that your kid did that when he was 15. I can't believe your daughter was solo backpacking in Central America when she was 14. I can't believe, and you know, they're such amazing humans now. And I'm like, well, you kind of can't have one without the other. <laughs> you know, like right. capable adults are bred of capable teenagers who are bred of capable tweens who are bred of capable five-year-olds. And it starts with, you know, if you're two years old and you can carry a trash can and the trash can is your responsibility, 
you better carry that trash can and I'm not going to do it for you. You know, you give them real responsibility that has meaning. You take them seriously as humans, as three, four, five-year-olds, they will grow into serious-minded teenagers and adults. But you can't have one without the other. You can't bubble wrap them until they're 18, throw them out there with no prior experience or training and be surprised when they can't run the washing machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They can't, they can't make themselves, warm themselves up a meal or, yeah, absolutely. It's not their fault. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it also ties into as well, which, which also goes along with the whole component of learning too, is the respect and trust. Yeah. Because really that's also build, giving them saying, I trust you. I trust that yeah. you will be capable to do these things. I trust you to be able to follow your dreams. I trust you, you know, and, and also that, you know, you will have mis- mistakes and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That it's not the end of the world. And then therefore now you'll never be able to do anything. You can't do this. This just proves that you can't do that. It's okay. So how are we going to learn from this? Yeah. But it's a big, big you know, it's a foundation of trust in them, but also in ourselves, because you'd said that too. It's, it's hard as a parent, it's, you know, it's, it's also very confronting, <laughs> right? It, it's, it's hard sometimes for us as adults and parents to, to have that trust, because that means trusting ourselves and our decisions that we make as parents. Yeah. Well, and not making it about us, you know, my kids yes. accomplish or don't accomplish it is actually, I love what you said about you created this narrative in your head for you about what your son was going to do and who he was going to be. And then when he shifted, you were like, uh, you know, that's hard as a parent, but it's actually yeah. about us. And, you know, the message that we've got to communicate if we want our kids to become everything that they can be is I trust you and I expect you to fail. Yes. And you're not me, (laughs) which is the beauty of it, really. You're not me. You're not reliving life for me. You're you. (laughs) And you need to get out there and try. And I absolutely believe you're going to fail. And I trust you to fail well. Here's how you get back up. Let's go. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yes. We need more of this. Everyone, we need more of this. (laughs) I knew we were going to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So I also, as we're, as we're, I I think you and I could probably talk for the rest of the afternoon here. (laughs) We got to connect again. I I would like on, on the idea of trust, learning and living learning, the life experience and living learning as well. Mm -hmm. I would like to talk about beyond school and because this is something you're CEO now of beyond school. And I think this is a wonderful project. I had a chance when you had told me about it in the email and I I went to the website and I was reading up on it and, you know, there's videos as well that you have incorporated to, can you talk a little bit about this and why you feel, especially now and today, why you feel this is important? You know, why are you just not trying to recreate school? Um, well, I mean, we'd need another two hours on why school is really yeah. a philosophical problem. So we all just need to move on, stop trying to fix it. Uh, it's not, you know, for the pandemic has created a really unique environment in education. Um, people who never previously would have considered anything other than a straight up public school scenario are now looking at alternatives because they have to. And because the home, the public school has actually become some sort of, in my opinion, sort of twisted, horrible form of homeschooling, 
Parents are now responsible for their kids' educations in a way that they were outsourcing before, and it's causing them to ask questions. And people who previously weren't asking are now looking and thinking about, you know, gosh, is there a better way to do this? Um, The other thing that's happened that is such a surprise is that for the first time in my experience in education in the last 30 years, uh, public schools are willing to consider some compromises before they've been very your way or the highway. You know, you're either in public school or you're not, but they're not going to make compromises or hybrid solutions for people that want to, you know, maybe homeschool some of the time. And now they are because they have to for a number of reasons. But we've got this really unique environment where people are considering educational alternatives and opportunities in a way they haven't before, where technology is being leveraged forward for the good and for the bad, I think also sometimes, um, of kids and of, of educations. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was inundated with families who were hair on fire trying to figure out what they were going to do next year. And I spent my summer working like 12 to 14 hour days just trying to put stuff together for people and help them figure it out. And my my co-founder, Leah Jovi, she she came to me and, you know, we sort of have orbited together for a while. And she said, would you like some help? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, I would. And so that's how Beyond School was born. But what, you know, what started as us kind of patching the ship for individual families, we very quickly realized that, no, what we're actually building here is the school of the future. Because in the future, technology is going to continue to grow and expand and take a bigger place in our lives. But the thing that we're all going to have to learn to balance is that with our real world. And so where is this third path between very traditional public education, which is only working for a small percentage of people that it actually serves, and a complete Lone Ranger homeschool, unschool scenario where there's, you know, no classes, no framework, no infrastructure at all that would resemble public school. And in some cases, I mean, not the majority, but in some cases is an overreaction and pushback to the traditional format. You know, the, the reality for most families, the sweet spot for most families lays somewhere in the middle where you have a child-centered, parent-directed self-directed, learner-centered form of education that is as unique as the child himself or herself, and that allows kids to learn and grow and experiment and shift. And so we just thought, we just got thinking about like, well, okay, let's put together a team of people who are world-class, who are subject matter experts, who are passionate about what they do, and let's introduce them to kids online. Let's build classes for them. And then let's put resources together for parents so that they can make this mental shift. Uh, And then let's put together resources for parents because they realize that, oh my gosh, my career is in the toilet. This has been terrible with the pandemic. I need to reskill. I need to make a shift. Well, let's help them do that because learning doesn't end at the end of high school or college or anything else. And so Beyond School evolved into this cradle to grave vision that we have for learning over a lifetime, learning together, creating unique paths that suit a certain person at a certain stage of their life. And it has blown our minds, actually, Robin, <laughs> this year, <laughs> the way that it has exploded. And, you know, this just this week, two exciting things that have happened. Denver Public Schools called me and they want me to talk to all the parents of their high school students about the teenager stuff wow. that I said to you. I'm delighted. That's going to be so cool if I get to talk with parents who are in a public school mindset about what's possible for their kids. Yes, please. Yes. And then yes. two days ago, we inked a contract with a brand new private school in Montana 
that has approached us and said, listen, will you build our whole curriculum? We want to build a hybrid academy that will be four days online using as much of your philosophy as we can. And then will be one day of essentially bushcraft and forest school, which I think is phenomenal. Oh my God. Yeah. I write. And she's got a really smart business model that will allow her to expand and scale this to serve a lot of families. And, you know, these on our website, it says we create third path educations. And and to me, both of these things this week are evidence of that third path that's emerging. And we're just so excited to be on sort of the front wave of what education might look like later in the future for people. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, again, evolution and change, right? Sometimes for other reasons, it's sped up a little bit more. I think this was, change was long coming. Uh, I think COVID just kind of, you know, spread, you know, it expedited the process, really. But it's needed. I mean, you know, I think the world, so many people would say, well, the world has gone far beyond, but the schooling system is still lagging behind. So you know, we're, we're in the information age, the tech age, and maybe we're still in the, the old industrial age oh, in our learning. That's yeah. Nice. I mean, we could talk for six more podcasts about that. And if we do, I think we should get Blake to come back because he and I could wrap on that for days. <laughs> Good idea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really cool. And we're excited about where that's going. And, you know, if people are interested, I would love for them to reach out and let's talk about where you're at in your learning journey as adults, as kids, as teenagers, and how we can build that forward together. So just to be clear as well, with Beyond School, is this something that a whole, an entire family can access together? Yeah. Could or could a child just on their own take classes from you or learn different things or just a parent? If they're just like, you know what, it's just, I need to learn first myself as the parent and then I'll see about my kids. Could Are there those different scenarios? Could they work? Uh, yeah. So we have something for everyone. We have a lot of parent resources that are really important. My my going beyond school boot camp. It's five hours of, you know, what is your philosophy of education? Where do you fall in this spectrum, and how do you build this out for your kids? Helps give parents a vision of what's possible. So that's one good place to start. We have individual workshops on all kinds of things. I'm doing one next weekend called Going Beyond High School. That's 100% about these teenagers and about building really weird outside the box high school opportunities and how that ends up you know, folding into university if they want to go to university and how to get them into university and how these weird alternative educations are actually the biggest benefit to them, that the weird difference has been the thing that has made universities ask for my kids. And I have a really specific process, you know, for for enrollment in university that circumvents all of the usual stuff. No standardized tests, no nonsense. You can just get them straight in. And my, you know, Hannah went to Queens in Canada, which is the number three school in the country. And we got it without ever filling out an application. So I teach people how to do that. I do want to make a note because that is something that I do get questions of is when I sometimes have we talk about university, many times it's directed to U.S. universities, and you would know this well then. Canadian universities, the entrance is very different from American universities. So you understand the process of the difference between Canadian and American universities and how you still can access Canadian universities through a different process that's not high school, the traditional high school. Absolutely. I've helped people in both countries and abroad do it in universities elsewhere also. The process that I have, I've yet to have it not work. I mean, yeah, I've shared it with dozens and dozens of families. Lots of people have, have done it the way I described to do it. I don't care which country it is. Thus far, we haven't had a problem. Now, the one country where we will have a problem is Germany. That's a whole nother conversation. 
Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and I know. Yes. United States. Yes. I can help you figure out how to get your kids into school and it, it, it goes really well and really easily. Um, but yeah, we've got loads of resources for parents because I think, especially if your kids are young, you know, the way you educate them is less important than the way you think about educating them, you know, getting the yes. mind shift made and the philosophy yes. made is far more important than, you know, which book should I use for math? Well, that's like the 763rd question we should be asking, but that's the question that's at the top of people's heads. So I help them like reprioritize what actually matters here. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, you know, Spanish classes for kids as young as three years old. And we have music classes for grownups. We've got, you know, stuff for everybody, art. Um, we have mental fitness. We have a gender and sexuality class. We have a fantastic anti-racism workshop for adults and a four-week short course for kids eight and up that is phenomenal. The woman who teaches it is in the Barbados. She's just a gift in this world. Um, so they're really wow. for everyone because we because we really believe and we live that learning is happening everywhere and that it is happening always. It is. It truly is. Wow, that is remarkable. So some of the workshops as well, they you can already access them or they will be starting soon, coming soon then. They're, yeah, they're ongoing. So everything we do, we, okay. we make a digital copy of. So, you know, that the the five-hour one I was telling you about, the Going Beyond School one that I, I gave literally every weekend to packed audiences all summer long on Zoom uh, is now a digital download. So people can just get it, access it themselves, and then they get a half an hour with me after to sort of detox and wrap through what they learned and what they need next. Um, but yeah, we have things that are live. We have things that are canned. We have, you know, we try to take into account that our people are all over the world. So time zones are an issue and you right. know, it's the school of the future. So we're figuring it out. Yeah, it is. That's right. That's right. And it's not just education, but it's also work that en enables us to be more mobile and not have to be in one place yeah. for years and years and years and years. We're doing a, we'll be doing a boot camp in January on, um, business and career shifts for adults. Like oh, wow. COVID has, you know, jacked your, your career. You've lost your work. You've lost whatever. You're now working remotely and you hate it, or you're working remotely and you love it. How do we restructure in order to move forward as adults in our business and career? You know, that's a form of learning. That's a form of home education. That's a form of self-direction. And yes, that's for kids, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Again, lifelong, lifelong yeah. learning. Absolutely. Yeah, all the goodies. Okay. <laughs> it's been such a fun year that way. So I, what I'm going to do is I will include the link to the website to Beyond School in the show notes as well. So if you're listening to this and you want to find out more, you can just go to the show notes and click on the link and it will take you to Beyond School website. And then you can see everything that you have access to. Uh, there's some really cool ones. A lot of them I, I had seen and had, had checked out already. Uh, that you were talking about too. So it, it looks fantastic and I'm excited. You know, it's one of those things that when I have these episodes and interviews, I come out like, you know, I say this show is just as much for me because it's inspiring wow. and uplifting. And I just, I take so much from it personally. So Jen, thank you so much. Thanks for making my afternoon. Oh, I thank you for making mine. This has been fun. I've really just enjoyed connecting with you as a human and I can't wait to see what we'll build together. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I will be in touch. So thank you. I'm very excited. Thank you.